Hey Grace242 kids and students, Pastor Bill here. Today we're talking about promises. And last weekend I was talking with Jesse and Casey Thomas and they told me that they were supposed to go on a camping trip to New Mexico this year. But unfortunately that got canceled because of the pandemic and all of the lockdowns and all of the disease and everything that's going around. And so that was a promise that was never kept to them because they weren't able to go on their trip. Similarly, usually my family goes to the Kalahari in Wisconsin Dells in December and we've already decided that that's not something we're gonna do this year. And so that's a promise that we weren't able to keep for our kids. So I'm wondering how many of you have had promises that either didn't turn out or weren't able to be kept this year because of everything that's happened. After the message, your house church is gonna give you time to talk about broken promises, but maybe there's some new promises too that have been made to you going into Christmas, and we'd love to hear about those as well. Talk about your promises, talk about whether or not they were kept, maybe talk about some new promises going into Christmas. I don't know if your parents have promised you anything for Christmas, some sort of gift or something like that, but your house church is gonna give you time to talk about promises once this message is done. Hi, my name is Bev Ripple. Our scripture passages for today come from the New Testament Book of Acts. I'll be reading from chapters three, verses 22 to 26, and chapter 13, verses 32 to 33. Hear the word of the Lord. Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. Then Moses said, Anyone who will not listen to that prophet will be completely cut off from God's people. Starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, Jesus, he sent him first to you, people of Israel, to bless you by turning each of you back from your sinful ways. And now we are here to bring you this good news. The promise was made to our ancestors and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants, by raising Jesus. This is what the second Psalm says about Jesus. You are my son. Today, I have become your father. Hear the word of the Lord. Hey, Grace 242. In 1967, Ralph Baer invented a prototype multiplayer video game system known as the Brown Box. In the demo of the Brown Box, Ralph Baer predicted that there would be a market for video games in the future. We would like to convince you that there is indeed a market in which money can be made in the near future. Today, Ralph Baer is known as the father of video games. In 1975, Atari ripped off Bear's work and launched the home version of Pong. Two years later, the Atari 2600 was released. The home console was the first to feature joystick controllers, interchangeable game cartridges, and multicolored games. In 1982, E.T. the video game was released for Atari 2600 following the success of the movie. <laughs> I personally would never call the movie a success because it still creeps me out to this day. But unlike the movie, the video game was not a success. Millions of copies went unsold. It is a legendary landfill, a tomb where an entire industry was buried. 
thousands of copies of one of the epic flops in video gaming history laid to rest in the New Mexico City's garbage dump. E.T. was developed in only five weeks, and the gameplay was thoroughly perplexing, prompting many users to return the game. Today, E.T. is widely considered to be the worst video game ever made. E.T. was one of several factors that produced the video game crash in 1983. Many considered the video game industry a dead fad. That is, until a Japanese company introduced their Famicom gaming system to the United States. Rebranded as the Nintendo Entertainment System for American audiences, the NES quickly propelled Nintendo to untouchable heights of market share with timeless classics like Super Mario Bros., The Legend of Zelda, and Metroid. Today, Ralph Baer's promise has been realized. Today, consoles like PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and Nintendo Switch comprise portions of the video game industry worth over $150 billion more than the film and music industries combined. Ralph Baer promised there would be a market for video games. And despite periods of uncertainty, that promise has been realized in the number 150 billion. Ralph Baer made a promise and God made a promise. Who are we? We are people of the promise. By now, most of you know that I've been running this experiment where I've been reading my Bible, trying to pretend that I have no prior knowledge of church, and as I've been reading through Acts, I'm seeing all sorts of different sermons preached by different servants of God to different audiences under different circumstances. But despite all those differences, there's a common thread in their preaching. The common thread is the promise of God. The common thread is that these servants of God reach back into history to lay hold of the promises of God with the goal of seeing those promises realized in Jesus. Today we're going to weave in and out of sermons preached by Peter, Stephen, and Paul, and they're going to show us how we are people of the promise fulfilled in Jesus. Who are we? We are people of the promise. We'll start in Peter's sermon to the people gathered in the temple courts in the city of Jerusalem in Acts 3 verse 25. You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. Two words that immediately jump off the page are covenant and promise. Covenant is one of those, as Pastor Tony Evans would say, lofty biblical words. What is covenant? In short, covenant is a promise. Here's the Anchor Yale Bible Dictionary on covenant. A covenant is an agreement enacted between two parties in which one or both make promises under oath to perform or refrain from certain actions stipulated in advance. Covenant in the Bible is the major metaphor used to describe the relation between God and Israel or the people of God. Now there's a lot there, but I think we can focus in on three words. God, people, promise. Covenant is the promise God makes with his people. Who are we? We are people of the promise. What is that promise? Well, look back at 325. For God said to Abraham, through your descendants, all the families on earth will be blessed. The promise is that God will build a family for his name. God is building a family who will show the world who he is. 
Acts 3.25 says, through your descendants, through your family, all the families on the earth will be blessed. Why? Because if people come to know God, they will have received the greatest blessing they can possibly receive. Acts 3.25 says, you are children of those prophets and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. You are children in the family of God who will show the world who God is. And if someone comes to know God, they have received the greatest blessing. Who are we? We are people of the promise. Peter mentions Abraham and Stephen will also mention Abraham. And Stephen is preaching to a crowd of angry religious leaders who have stones in their hands ready to throw them at Stephen. These are the waning moments of Stephen's life. Let's look at Acts 7, and we'll read verses 2 to 4. This was Stephen's reply. Brothers and fathers, listen to me. Our glorious God appeared to our ancestor Abraham in Mesopotamia before he settled in Haran. God told him, leave your native land and your relatives and come into the land I will show you. So Abraham left the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran until his father died. Then God brought him here to the land where you now live. God appears to Abraham and says, leave your homeland of the Chaldeans and go to the land that I will show you. Stephen is referencing Genesis 12 and we're going to read verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. Abraham will be made into a nation because God is building a family for his name. Abraham is blessed to be a blessing because, again, if anyone comes to know God, they will receive the greatest blessing they can possibly receive. Stephen continues in Acts 7 verse 8, God also gave Abraham the covenant of circumcision at that time. So when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day, and the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob, and when Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs of the Israelite nation. God marks Abraham as his family member through the act of circumcision. And here's another one of those lofty biblical words. Here's the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible on circumcision. Circumcision was to be an expression of faith that God's promises would be realized. A permanent reminder of God's covenant promises was placed on his body and the bodies of his male descendants. Because it was applied to the reproductive organ, the sign involved the propagation of the race. To use the language we just read, God is propagating his race. He is building his family. He is promising to build a family for his name. Who are we? We are people of the promise. And God does just that. He multiplies the family of Abraham. So when Abraham became the father of Isaac, he circumcised him on the eighth day. And the practice was continued when Isaac became the father of Jacob. And when Jacob became the father of the 12 patriarchs of the Israelite nation. Jacob had 12 sons, but his favorite son was Joseph. And here's what Joseph's brothers do to him. Back to Stephen. These patriarchs were jealous of their brother Joseph, and they sold him to be a slave in Egypt. But God was with him and rescued him from all his troubles. And God gave him favor before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. God also gave Joseph unusual wisdom so that Pharaoh appointed him governor over all of Egypt and put him in charge of the palace. 
Eventually, a famine hits the land of Egypt, but Egypt has food where no one else does, thanks to Joseph's wise leadership. And in a crazy God-orchestrated set of events, Joseph's brothers meet up with him in Egypt, and Joseph moves his entire family down to Egypt. Then Joseph sent for his father Jacob and all his relatives to come to Egypt, 75 persons in all. So Jacob went to Egypt. He died there, as did our ancestors. And as we close the book of Genesis, the promise of God to build a family for his name is going to accelerate in those 400 years between Genesis and Exodus. Stephen says, As the time drew near when God would fulfill his promise to Abraham, the number of our people in Egypt greatly increased. 400 years pass and the family of God has been growing under the stability of the nation of Egypt. But then a new king came to the throne of Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph. This king exploited our people and oppressed them, forcing parents to abandon their newborn babies so they would die. Who are we? We are people of the promise. God's promise is to build a family for his name. At that time, Moses was born, a beautiful child in God's eyes. His parents cared for him at home for three months. When Moses grows up, he's forced out of Egypt into a land called Midian, where he becomes a shepherd. And one day, Moses encounters a bush that's on fire, but it won't burn up. Back to Stephen. When Moses saw it, he was amazed at the sight. As he went to take a closer look, the voice of the Lord called out to him, I am the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Moses shook with terror and did not dare to look. Then the Lord said to him, Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groans and have come down to rescue them. Now go, for I am sending you back to Egypt. Moses goes back to Egypt and tells Pharaoh to let God's people go. And then God forces the plagues upon Egypt until Pharaoh's heart finally relents and he lets God's family out of Egypt. And by means of many wonders and miraculous signs, he led them out of Egypt, through the Red Sea and through the wilderness for 40 years. Now look at Stephen in Acts 7, verse 37. Moses himself told the people of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. And now look at Peter back in Acts 3, verse 22. Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. Listen carefully to everything he tells you. God is promising to build a family for his name. But here's the problem. God's family members are sinful people. All of his family members have fallen short of the expectations that God places on them. And in the next breath, Stephen says, But our ancestors refused to listen to Moses. They rejected him and wanted to return to Egypt. Not only did the people reject what Moses was saying, but Moses failed God. He strikes the rock and takes credit for the miracle of giving the people water. Jacob played favorites with his sons and tricked his brother out of a blessing. Abraham didn't believe God when he was promised a biological son. We are the family of God, but we are woefully inept. We fall woefully short. We all fail to show the world who God is because of our sin. Our sin gets in the way of that task. Ralph Baer promised there would be a market for video games, but by 1983, when the video game industry fell apart, many doubted that promise. Many thought video games were done. 
God promised to build his family, but we are all unfaithful. We need someone who is going to be the perfect family member, the perfect image of God, the perfect representative of who God is. We need the family member who will show the world who God is instead of showing the world another sinful, fallen human being. And that family member is the prophet that Moses spoke about. Look at Paul's sermon to Antioch in Acts 13, verse 20. After that, God gave them judges to rule until the time of Samuel the prophet. And Peter corroborates, starting with Samuel, every prophet spoke about what is happening today. Paul again, then the people begged for a king and God gave them Saul, son of Kish, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, who reigned for 40 years. But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. God has Samuel anoint Saul to be king, but then God deposes Saul and God raises up David to be king. God is building a family for his name and his promised family is ruled by good King David. But David is not the promised prophet. Despite being called a man after God's own heart, he is not the promised prophet that Moses spoke about. Because just like all the other family members, David is still sinful, and just like all of the other family members, David died. Look at Peter's sermon in Acts 2. And Peter is going to quote Psalm 16, verses 10 to 11, written by David. Here's what Peter says. For you will not leave my soul among the dead, or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. But here's the problem. When Peter says this, David is dead lying in his grave. So as Peter quotes David saying, you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave, David is rotting in the grave. <laughs> That's the problem. Today, the believed location for David's tomb is on Mount Zion in the Coenaculum building. And this building is also known as the Upper Room. Peter quotes a dead guy about being raised to life. That's a problem. So Peter says, Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Paul says the same thing to the people at Antioch. This is not a reference to David. For after David had done the will of God in his own generation, he died and was buried with his ancestors, and his body decayed. No, it was a reference to someone else, someone whom God raised and whose body did not decay. The promised prophet that Moses talked about is not David. It's Jesus. Paul says, It is one of King David's descendants, Jesus, who is God's promised Savior of Israel. When David died, he stayed in the grave. But Jesus came out of the grave. God promises to build his family through Abraham. He multiplied the family through Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And God used Moses to lead the family out of slavery. 
God chose Saul and then David to rule that family. And then he promises that a descendant of David would rule forever. And that descendant is Jesus. All the other family members were sinful. All of the other family members died. But Jesus was perfect and Jesus came out of the grave. God promises his family that they are blessed to be a blessing. But we all fall short of that blessing because we sin, we don't bless others, we don't show the world who God is, we show people who we are, and that's sinful human beings. We fail in our task, we fail in our identity. We need the perfect family member. And Jesus is the realization of that promise. Jesus is that perfect family member. Back to Paul's sermon in Antioch in Acts 13, starting at verse 32, Paul says, and now we are here to bring you this good news. What's the good news, Paul? The good news is that God has kept his promise. Paul says, the promise was made to our ancestors and God has now fulfilled it for us, their descendants. How has God kept this promise? By raising Jesus. This is what the second Psalm says about Jesus. You are my son, today I have become your father. God promises to build a family for his name. And that promise is realized in his son, Jesus. Ralph Baer promised there would be a market for video games. And today, that promise is realized in the $150 billion industry of the video game market. God promised to build his family, and that promise is realized in his son, Jesus. And guess what? We're included in that promise. Paul, in Acts 13, verse 26, Brothers, you sons of Abraham, and also you God-fearing Gentiles, this message of salvation has been sent to us. Peter, in Acts 3:25, You are the children of those prophets, and you are included in the covenant God promised to your ancestors. Paul says, We are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is forgiveness for your sins. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight. Peter, in Acts 2, verse 39, This promise is to you, to your children, and to those far away, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Who are we? We are people of the promise. And that promise is realized in Jesus. Everyone who believes in him is made right in God's sight.